Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Chris Hannon joins me now. Chris, what are we listening to? That's uh, two of us from the Beatles from their Let It Be album. Um, in honor of the Grizzlies, two wins now like going into the world side by side. That's beautiful. Along with uh, Wizards have two wins and Detroit has two wins because he's no longer alone at the bottom. In fact, technically Detroit uh, is last in the league. It is not your Memphis Grizzlies. Quite a weekend. One win, one loss, one rant. Let's start with the rant. What did you think? Well, I was in the room and I was sitting right behind Michael Cole who had asked sort of the initial question. And it was clear that like Taylor Jenkins, the first question was going to be about Jaron getting ejected and Taylor Jenkins... Not even Taylor Jenkins, honestly. I'm mean, like, I don't know, but I, I would be 99.9% certain there was some organizational powwow about what they were going to do. Right. Um, and there were talking points to be delivered and a strategy of what to say. And Taylor Jenkins was going to give his spiel, and that was going to be it, you know, after whatever the first question was. So I was sitting right behind Michael Cole, so I was sort of looking right at Taylor Jenkins as he was looking in that direction. Yeah. And honestly, I found it so uncomfortable. I had to start. I had to keep looking away from it because it seemed so uncomfortable doing it. Really? Uh, like I just, I, 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 I'm fairly the only person who really felt this way. But I feel very firm in my, in my, in that feeling about it. I just, I felt it was a painfully awkward performance by him, and it was just, it was a performance of like you know some agreed upon talking points, basically. But, it, but whatever, it had it actually had the desired effect. Like, and then you go to the locker room, and the players are like, oh, the coach stood up for us. And then people on social media are saying, we got to make saddle up T-shirts or whatever. And like, I don't know. It, it, it was. I think they were right to be mad about what happened in the game. But I, I didn't think there was a lot of ultimate meaning in sort of the the post game performance stuff with it. Honestly, you do believe though. That's an interesting. You think that Taylor Jenkins spoke to folks in management would be your supposition and it's totally it's only supposition i, yeah. I just i just know I, I know how these things work and i would right. be shocked if that's not the case yeah i mean sometimes people i don't know whether it's management right. but i don't right. think i think he i think there were multiple organizational officials whether that's management or right. communication staff or whatever i think there was it wasn't just a taylor jenkins came out there and 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 and, right. like, let Erupted. it fly right. from the heart. I think they decided as a team what they were doing. And what do you think the points were? Like, uh, talking points. I mean, we can we go back and analyze, but what do you think the points were that they wanted to make? Uh, you know, the, the, the Jaron is such a professional guy, and, 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 and Taylor Jenkins doesn't normally do this, right. and, and, you know, the, the lack of communication with the officials, et cetera. Right. I, 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 my, my sense is there was a feeling of organizational aggrievement before that moment, you know, and so that sort of filters into it. Um, and so, but anyway, I, I don't want to get so totally sidetracked on that. I mean, the, the night did get sidetracked on that. I, once he did that, there was nothing else anybody could really talk about that yeah, night. Right. Of course. And so, you know, it was what it was. Do you, um, in terms of their right to be mad, 
Um, what did you think they had a right to be aggrieved about? The Jaren stuff well, in particular? I, I mean, I, or, I, go ahead. I could see the... I, I, I felt the reaction in the moment, and obviously there were Utah media sitting next to me, and they were like, wait, they were like, you know, because Jaron got hammered the play before. Right. And it was like a bang-bang thing. He got hammered by Kelly Olenek. There was a no-call. You could feel the frustration about that, and literally like 10 seconds later, I don't I'd have to go back and look, I and mean, he didn't get hammered the second time, but it, was, it seemed like the kind of play where the second time the instinct is that the whistle's going to get blown. That was my instinct just watching it, that the whistle's going to get blown. And then when it didn't, I think that's what set him off. And Jaron had – it's not like, you know, every time you, you take a contested shot in the paint, you get fouled. You'd have to go right. back and look at it. But Jaron took – he took 13 shots that game, two or threes. The other, the other 11 were all in the paint and pretty much all contested. So he had taken 11 contested shots in the paint and had not gone to the foul line once. And I think that bang-bang play there, like I, I, I think everyone who was watching that reacted to – like, like, like it seemed totally rational that, that he would that, that he the team would be really angry in that moment. I'll get off of this in one more second here, but um, if they were a game above five hundred, do you think it would have happened? Oh, I think I think I think the, the larger struggles and certainly is a is a definitely a context to that. Would he have reacted? And Taylor Jenkins have reacted as strongly if they're like you know Taylor. seven and one and yeah. or whatever. Probably not, but I do think in that specific moment, right? They were. He was very upset that he did get the foul call to play before when he got knocked to the ground, and then for for him to feel like he got fouled again ten seconds after that, I think that was a very in the moment reaction. All right, so uh, there was that. The um, the um, we were wondering whether there would be a change to the starting lineup. Uh, yep. And wondered whether Luke Kennard would slip into the starting lineup. Instead, it was Jacob Gilliard. Your thoughts? Yeah, this is what I wrote about today. My, my weekly column will go up later today. This is most kind of what I wrote about, in part what I wrote about. Um, it's an, it was an interesting decision. It was a decision no one saw coming. Taylor Jenkins was asked before the game. He was asked in sort of a leading way that suggested, so, was, so you're going to start Luke Kennard now with, with Ira Williams out? He was sort of coy about it. And I don't think anyone... I don't know anyone who predicted that that was going to be the answer, that he was going to start Gilliard. Jacob Gilliard was playing, I think, that night his seventh total NBA game. He's on a two-way contract. He's, he's ostensibly the fourth-string point guard on the, on the full team's depth chart. Um, I think before he had a good summer league, most people I, I talked to didn't even think he would be back on a two-way until he, before he had a strong summer league. Um, and so that was, it was a surprising move given all that context. But I think what in retrospect makes sense about it, I wrote about this a little bit, the Grizzlies, even before Desire, Desire Williams' injury allowed them to make a change, but they needed to make a change before that, and I had written about that after the previous game. Their starting lineup was struggling terribly on offense, and it needed to be – something needed to happen to, to, to shake that loose. It was struggling for two main reasons. Your, the starting small forward, Zaire Williams, and the starting point guard, Marcus Smart, were both shooting terribly and turning the ball over all the time. And that's just a really damaging combination from one player, let alone two. Right. And so the obvious move was going to be to replace Zaire Williams with Luke Kennard and fix one of those situations. Luke Kennard will shoot better and turn the ball over less. What Jenkins did, and I don't know how much this was the logic of it, but the effect of it was he addressed both positions in one move. Because you take Zaire Williams out and you move Marcus Smart off the ball, 
where he's not handling as much, not asked to do as much with the ball, the turnover stuff is not going to be as bad. Um, and and Gilliard, you know, Gilliard is very limited, but in some ways he sort of simulates a little bit the Tyus Jones style. Right. Like he's not, he doesn't get in the lane with the floaters like Tyus does, but he moves the ball. He racks up a lot of assists with very minimal turnovers. He's a very low turnover guy by comparison. Um, he bets better ball movement. He doesn't turn it over. He's been making open threes. We'll see if that continues or not. And, like, defensively, he's a problem because of his size. But at least, like, he gets after it. He'll get some steals and deflections and sort of mitigates the damage a little bit, although I do think there's damage defensively. And so that move, like, basically improved offensively to your two positions that were hurting you with one move. And you kept Luke Kennard shooting us, you know, uh, to give you a boost off the bench. And I think if you watch the games or look at the numbers, the starting lineups in both those games, including the loss to Utah, the starting lineup was really good in both of those games. Like, uh, you know, it's only 23 minutes total across two games, but, like, it's good on both ends of the floor. So we'll see if it holds up. But, like, that ended up being a... a, a Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Good move. Uh, clearly a good move. The It's interesting, though, the, the I don't find the dark cloud in this, but the fact that you have a guy off the street who's been good, by the way, good mo- another yep. good move, uh, starting yep. at center, and a guy on a two-way starting at point guard. This is, suggests- this is exactly... Uh, this is exactly what I wrote today, uh, and and I'll it opens with an anecdote from the locker room that right. I, I don't think anyone else saw, at least that I noticed. So I'll leave that for the column. But it opens with a sort of an interaction between Jacob Yogurt and Bismack Biombo <laughs> in the locker room after that game on, uh, on on Friday night, and then I from there I go into the idea that you know if if if, if you had told people Grizzlies fans you know say the day after the Grizzlies were eliminated by the Lakers in the playoffs. Okay, game nine next season, instead of you're going to have, because remember, Ja had not been suspended at this point. Right. Game nine next season, instead of John Morant at point guard and Steven Adams at center, you're going to be starting Jacob Gilgard and Bismack <laughs> Biombo. Like, you would have guessed the season was going very poorly. And you would have been right. The season is going very poorly. <laughs> so the fact that those two players are in those roles rather than John Morant and Steven Adams is 100% emblematic of the, of the problems. But – those two players in those roles have actually taken a bad situation and made it a little bit better. Like, like the fact that they're there is, is emblematic of the problem, but they have improved the situation from what it was before they got there earlier in the season. Yeah. Oh, no, there's no question. Both easy to root for, too. It also is yeah. emblematic of the fact that they didn't do a great job as a front office of anticipating, of, of having a backup plan. It, like, in the end, their second backup plan, this backup plan is, is an improvement, but it, it wasn't I mean, Derrick Rose. Yeah, well, okay. Look, the Derrick Rose thing is on John Morant's ledger, not on the front <laughs> office's ledger. Right. Like people, I, I've been, I've, I've been about as clear on this as I think right. I can be. But that signing was made with the idea of creating a better support structure for John Morant. Right. That is what that was about. I put, I think that was a bad signing for basketball. And from a basketball standpoint, 
I put that on John Morant's ledger, not on the front office's ledger. Right. And then the and then the and then the Stephen Adams one we've talked about, whatever. So here we are. We got yeah. Gilliard and we got Biombo. Uh So uh, so what went wrong before we get to to yesterday? What what else went what went wrong Friday? Well, it's another problem of when they dug a hole at some point in the game, and and, and the Jaron ejection. This happens sometimes. It like right. changes the temperature, and you start playing with anger and with desperation, and suddenly those closeouts are crisp again, and you fight your way back. But like at the end of that game, you couldn't make the shots. And I, you know, it's it's so easy to second guess stuff when it doesn't work. Right. Um, I understand. Like David Roddy had had been playing a good game. But for me in that moment when I'm seeing, okay, like the defense is all over Desmond Bain and Luke Kennard, the ball's going somewhere else for these shots at the end of the game, I just would rather have Santi Aldama been the guy taking those shots than David Roddy in terms of those three-pointers. So I, I second-guessed that coaching decision, but ultimately, like, you got back in the game, and at the end of the game, it was who made the shots, and the Grizzlies didn't, you know, Roddy got the open threes and he missed them. And so, you know, it, that, that's sort of too bad. The Grizzlies have played better basketball. You know, I, I sort of wrote you know, a week ago they're more functional now, and that's a very low bar. But it's been true. Like, they, they right. have been a more functional team these last four games. You know, that, that second game at Portland was the game where Biombo entered the rotation, uh, Aldama, who had been injured, entered the rotation, and, and Kennard broke out of his slump. And those, since those three things happened, two-bit shooters and an actual big man, you know, before that game, the Grizzlies were 0-6 with a pretty bad point differential, and since then they're 2-2 two and two with actually a positive point differential. Now, the problem there is they dug a hole, and, like, 2-2 two and two against a pretty weak stretch right. of the schedule. Like, you lose two home games that were very winnable against Miami and Utah. And so it's not like everything's fixed. Like, it, it's gone from, a, like, a super fun site to a bad team. But it is more of a more of a normal bad team at the moment. It's hard to root for a super fun side. I'll be honest. That's so, right. Um, so uh, and on the Roddy thing, like I, it was, it was kind of painful seeing him miss those wide open threes. Yeah. Um, but it's not like he is a credible member of the rotation. Like that, he yeah. is not a one hundred percent. So uh, you know, it's just it's it's a little bit in that role that that you might criticize. But he is a credible member of the rotation. All right. Then they beat the Clippers. Uh, yesterday they beat the Clippers, uh, and thank God for the Clippers, right? James Harden with the air. I enjoyed the James Harball, James Harden air ball to tie uh, in the final minute, basically from the corner, and he was terrible. And they're zero and five um, since Harden joined the team. Your thoughts on yesterday's proceedings? Yeah, I think from a if you look at that game from the standpoint of not you know, being partial to either team, sort of a general NBA standpoint. The storyline there is more the Clippers than the Grizzlies, right. um, clearly. But, I, you know, I think that was, you know, maybe the best game the Grizzlies have played this season. Right. Um, and and I, I think it did show a sign of, like, actual things that are happening with the Grizzlies, that, you know, the change to that starting lineup, it's a better, you know, better start, as it did against Utah and it did again. Um, that that Biombo adding another actual big man who can get rebounds has really helped the team, and that you know Desmond Bain had a great game. He's been having a lot of great games. The fact that they won with Jaron having a terrible game, right? They had not been able to win unless Jaron and Desmond Bain were both good. And so to go on the road, even against a team that that's having problems, to go on the road and win a game with one of those two guys having maybe his worst game of the year, you know, uh, that was a great thing to see. Um, all right. The, uh, you, you've written another piece that I'll get to, uh, maybe tomorrow. Cause I don't think we have enough time about, uh, about Overton park and the green sward. Uh, in the meantime, though, 
We've got the Sixers at eight and one, Maxie with fifty last night. We got yep. the Clippers at three and six and winless with James Harden, and we got Houston at six and three. Uh, do, you, do, you, do you have anything to say about any of those developments? James Harden is sort of an airborne toxic event, but, um, <laughs> you know, co- connecting various NBA cities. He, at he the is moment. a system, evidently. He is a system. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah, right. Um, I, I think Houston is definitely a lot better. I don't think their current record is going to hold up as the season builds. And so, I, you know, I think they're going to come back down to earth. Uh, Philly, I, you know, as long as Maxie and Embiid are both playing, I think Philly is going to continue to be like one of the better teams in the league. The question there is that, you know, Embiid is not someone who typically gets you 70-plus games or, you know, what are you, how many games are you getting from him. But as long as they have those two guys with, with a good head coach and good role players, like that team's 100% legit. No, I don't think the Clippers are going to go, you know, zero and seventy or whatever with James Harden on the right. roster. But, I, but I don't. I think very much, and, and this was sort of my my hunch when it happened. Not that they would be this bad, but I do think that team. I think the whole is less than the sum of the parts, and I think that is that is that is true about that team, even if they sort of figure some stuff out along the way.